This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Phil Mackey. First of all, you're wrong about Bundy. Bill, you're wrong about Bundy. No. Judd Zolgad. Judd freaking Zolgad. <laughs> He's a problem. attitude gets destroyed. Everything of our sports culture. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. I wish we'd played a little better defensively today, but um, but it was it was an awful good win. You know, um, these these games in this in this league are tough to win. Uh, when you score 38 points, you're doing something right. And uh, you know, I don't think we played with the lead. You know, we came out. I don't think we played great with the lead. Um, it's, you know, but we haven't been in those situations very much. So, we, you know, that hopefully that's a learning experience for us as well. All right, I'm going to give you a positive right now. No controversy at all. How long has it been since we have been able to sit here and have a legitimate discussion about a Vikings team that has an offense that is this well-structured and this good? Think about the years, the years and years and years that we had a discussion about Michael Jenkins, Devin Aroma should do. I know. Are you say- hey, Sidney Rice broke out for one year. Isn't this great? They've got two receivers now. Two receivers, not one, who are both Pro Bowl caliber, upper echelon, top of the league players. They've got an offensive line. The only the only reason why why I think there is some confusion about the 2015 offensive line not being terrible is because 2016 was the worst we've ever seen. 2015 was bad. The offensive line, it's good. The running game, while Peterson was great, and I'm not uh, I'm not trying to put him down, the running game has never been this well-structured. It's never looked like this where you say, oh my gosh, it makes perfect sense. Welcome to 2017 in this case. Mm-hmm. If you think about just, just removing the quarterback controversy, which does exist, but removing it for one second, how long has it been since Viking fans could have a legitimate discussion and say, you know what? This offense, this offense is pretty good. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's well honed, it's well crafted. Everything fits together. You know, the the offensive line, it starts there because if you go back and look at I saw some of the footage. I was going through an old Football Outsiders article from like a year and a half ago that was kind of breaking down the Vikings offense in that 2015 season and everything they showed, even if it was a successful play, was like the offensive line getting blown back three yards on a pass play and like Bridgewater flushing Mac, out. Matt Khalil flat on his back. Yes, it was just, <laughs> it was ridiculous. Everything looked like a screenplay was being set up, even though it wasn't always a screenplay being sure. set up. So, yes, and to the question I posed, and we can pose this, we have some some lines filling up here uh, a day after Vikings vent line. Can they win the Super Bowl? And the answer to me is yes, with the type of quarterback play they've been getting the last two months. With the way Keenum's been playing, they can win the Super Bowl. With what you got yesterday, take that big lead. Like, I know the interceptions were bad. My only question is the sustainability of the quarterback performance. Whether it's Keenum or you have to hand it off to Bridgewater, can someone keep playing at that high of a level? Because at some point, it's going to be Russell Wilson you're going up against. I was going to say this. It's going to be that Eagles team. It's going to be Drew Brees again and a better Saints defense. This is why the Rams game to me is super intriguing because this is going to give you a window into the answer to that question. 
I mean, when you're playing, I'm sorry, but when you're playing Baltimore or you're playing Cleveland, and now Washington's offense is good, their defense not so much, but the Rams game is going to be really interesting because I think it's going to help uh, crystallize the answer to that question. 651-646-8255. Let's start with Tony. You're on with Mackie and Judd. Tony? Hey, guys. How's it going today? Good, man. What's going on? Okay, here's the deal. You guys have been Viking fans all your life, most of the part. I've been a fan since 71. So I've seen times when the Vikings have had three quarterbacks that all sucked, and you still had to parade them out there. But the defense is what kept the team alive. So this quarterback controversy for me, I hate to say it, just roll with Case until, God, I hope it doesn't happen in the playoffs, but you never know. The NFL is unpredictable. I mean, you you know though because it's the Vikings. Like you know exactly what's going to happen. It's the, it'll be the it'll be the Brett Favre to, <laughs> you know, it's it'll be the same thing. But but whatever. But, it's fun, it's fun on the way there. But the difference is this: when Favre threw the pick against the Saints to Porter, you said to yourself, "Okay, the Vikings rolled with Favre as long as they possibly could." But it was Brett Favre that 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 was the goal. Now the goal was to win that last game, but the goal was let's see how far in 2009 Brett Favre can take us. That was the answer. It doesn't have to be the answer this time. Case Keenum, you don't you don't owe anything to Case. He's done a great job for you. You gave him a job. But you don't need to get to that Saints game and have Keenum throw an ill-advised, stupid pass and say, well, we had to roll with Keenum. You don't have to. That, that's where this is intriguing. You, you, have, you can look behind curtain two, and no one should say, how dare you. You also don't know what curtain two is going to be. You just you don't know. I mean, I think there's a possibility curtain two, Teddy Bridgewater, could be atrocious because he hasn't played in two years. The guy hasn't played since... January of 2016. It's been almost two full calendar years, not counting the preseason games from last year. There's also a chance that, hey, this is the best set of complementary you know, weapons and coaching and scheme and offensive line that he could take a big step forward. Maybe it takes him a game or two. I mean, those are all possibilities. That's why I'm curious. And uh, I'm just I'm, I'm just kind of sitting here waiting for this thing to play out. There's a good chance it still plays out organically where Keenum takes a shot from Aaron Donald or something and... <laughs> Yeah, and he's got to go out of the game. Uh, Joe, you're on with Mackie and Judd, little Vikings vent line day after. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to make a comment on uh, the discussion earlier about natural turf versus the synthetic field uh, with a lot of these pro and as well as collegiate and high school games certainly are playing on now. Uh, the one thing I think got missed in the conversation was most NFL players would prefer to, to play on natural turf rather than synthetic turf. The fact is, uh, before this past season, uh, the Baltimore Ravens converted their synthetic field back over to natural turf at the player's request. Uh, I think a lot of lower extremity uh, injuries, especially those uh, uh, involving the knee and the ankle, a lot of those could be avoided if they're playing on natural turf because it's much more forgiving than getting your cleats hung up in a fiber, uh, which won't break loose. So I think... Um, yeah, as a fan, yeah, we all like to look at those pretty fields on TV on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, but if you were to ask the players, administration, or others that are more intimately involved with the game, I think you'll find the majority of them are going to go uh, vote for a natural turf surface. I uh, think uh, I think Joe, it's a good call. I think I think they should go to a synthetic turf, but then like make it look like the old crappy sandlot grass that they like have. Dirt. Have it be uh, discolored. Joe, you're on Mackie and Judd's day after Vikings vent line. What's up, man? Okay, the announcers. Have you noticed the announcers of Vikes games are always the worst? 
Why is that? Burkhart was Why really good. Get, oh, no. What? Joe, yesterday, hey, Kevin hey, Burkhart. Did you know Adam Thielen was an unrestricted free agent from Mankato? How many times did you hear that? Wait, hold on, oh. Joe. Actually, <laughs> something we haven't brought up yet. What was going uh, on with Pam Oliver yesterday? I don't know. That, why do the, did she, honestly, did she have, like, dental surgery before the game? I don't know. She's always she's always scary Careful. looking in my book. No, but it's, it's, no, why do we always get these them. guys who are, like, right out of the minor leagues? It's like, really? I'm yep. sitting there enjoying myself, loving the game. Had You know, great. Bikes are winning. Mm-hmm. Get about ready to put my freaking through the wall. Joe, 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 Joe. There are there are some bad ones, and when the Vikings weren't good, and we got Chris Myers on, on a weekly basis, I'm with you. But yesterday like was Burkhardt. I'm a Burkhardt But yesterday guy. was not bad, and, and they tell you things that you know because that's not just going to us; that's going to a portion of the country. That's why. Oh, but, oh God! I just I'm like I'm thinking. Okay, hey, we're getting the Washington Redskins. That's got to be top five team, or you know, big media. Now we get these collection of misfits. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. You you thought they did good? I thought they were fine. I think, you're, I think you're overreacting a little, but I was curious. Uh, we got to get to other calls here, so I'm going to say bye to Joe. But Pam Oliver, who has been awesome for 20 years, yeah, it was almost like she had. It was almost like she had. You know how you go to the dentist and they numb the bottom. They they numb your jaw in a in a portion, uh-huh. and you can't really like use your tongue to speak, and so you're kind of talking like this. And I don't know if it hit the internet, but people were. It was. I searched her name on Twitter. She had like three or four in-game appearances. I mean, you watched the game. Did you? Did are you? Yeah. Is this oblivious to you? Did I, you not notice this? No, I didn't. Dave, did you like? I didn't notice it. Am I the only one that noticed Pam Oliver like half yeah. unable to speak on TV four times yesterday? There was one time I thought her microphone was cutting out, and uh, Burkhart and oh yeah, uh, that's um, I, you know what I thought Charles, the same thing too. What, Charles Davis. Davis. Yeah, yeah he couldn't. Uh, they it's like they didn't really realize what was going on. Yes. And it was, no, it was she, very awkward, but that was early in the game. I her was speech quarter. was impaired, and, it, and, huh. they, and they didn't address it. It was either she either had some dental work done, or I don't know what, but it was like her tongue was numb, and she still fought through it to get a report or a coffee did, like that. Dave's right. She stopped talking at one point, and they clearly thought she wasn't done, and then I think Davis sort of just picked it up and, and ran with the ball because he's like, I guess she's done. That was weird. There was also there was also a, a play early in the game where they went to a sideline yes. camera, and her yeah. face was in the camera. <laughs> she dived she never, out of the way. But yeah, she dove out of the way, and she never talked. It was very weird. That's amazing. Um, let's go to uh, Jeff. You're on with Mackie and Judd. Little Vikings vent line day after. Good morning, gentlemen. What's morning. going on, man? Uh, let me make a statement, and then I'm going to hang up, and I ask you guys to comment, please. You know, potentially next year the Vikings really have an embarrassment of riches at several positions, but especially like a quarterback and running back. Um, if Cook and Bradford heal up, and I've got to go, so I'm going to hang up and listen. Thanks for taking my call. Have a nice day. See you, Jeff. Uh, what was his question? They have uh, Jeff. I got bad news. They have right now zero quarterbacks under contract for 2018. So there's no embarrassment of riches because you don't have Bridgewater, Bradford, Keenum. And Slaughter, yeah, actually, you know, Slaughter, you know, here's Slaughter, where he, he's up to. I'll, I'll tell you what. Let's let's come back. Well, we got Courtney Cronin coming up here. So, okay, okay sometime later this hour, mm-hmm. I'll paint like the the hashtag classic Viking scenario. That that, that like this is the scenario that you don't want to play out for the long term. People say I'm negative. Let's take let's take Billy's call real quick here. Billy's been on hold. Hey, uh, you know this offense I've seen like this year, especially like this game with Bradford, and then like. Keenum has his moments, like, more good than bad. 
I haven't seen this offense in a. Uh, I can't remember when they. I mean, they're they're throwing the ball twenty yards down the field. It's either he's got a real strong arm, or Bridgewater didn't, or North Turner was afraid, or their offensive line wasn't getting it done. But these guys are exciting. And I have another thing to point out. Uh, I think their next four games are pretty dicey, man. They they got uh, St. Louis, Detroit, you know, on the road, Atlanta. I think uh, it, Carolina. It uh, I'll, I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, again, it ain't going to be perfect. Like they're going to lose a game or two, maybe more. Mm-hmm. They maybe they go eleven and five, but I don't. I'm not going to criticize them for not being perfect because if you watch, this is what happens. You get sucked into the the vacuum of the team that you watch the most, and this happens with the Wolves right now too. If you watch some of the Patriots games throughout the last several years, and that's one of the greatest dynasties in the history of sports, mm-hmm. it's not always pretty. They're grinding sometimes against the Jets, and they're not. It's not every single week three hundred and three touchdowns. The Seattle Seahawks just got beat by the Redskins last cool. week. They look ugly at least one half of every game. So the Vikings aren't going to look like the '98 team that rolled through the entire league up until you know the NFC Championship game. That, that's not the Baltimore. That's not what you're going to see and, every week. And Browns games. We're ugly, but who cares? And when you are when you're going to base your the majority of your wins on defense, it's not going to be pleasing to the eye. It doesn't matter, and in this league, it really doesn't matter. Courtney Cronin covers the Vikings for ESPN.com. She's an insider, and she'll talk to us when we come back. Mackie and Judd. Okay, let's go. Running their mouths counts as a morning run, right? Mackie and Judd, Mackie and Judd. on fifteen hundred ESPN. From Kerrigan steps away, fires on the run, it is caught. Unbelievable! It's like glue on his hands from Thielen. Earlier this year, we saw Duck Duck Grey Goose. Yeah, get it right in Minnesota now. And now we're seeing them hopping over each other. Let's start there with Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com. Adam Thielen, as people wake up today, if you take a look at the NFL receiving yards list, there's some familiar names on here for sure. Antonio Brown is number one in the league as is the case on a regular basis. He's got 882 receiving yards. DeAndre Hopkins has been huge for the Texans the last few years. He's second on the list. Uh, then, like, later in the top ten, you got your Julio Jones, A.J. Greens, and Larry Fitzgeralds. But number three in the NFL in receiving yards after yesterday, Courtney Cronin, is Adam Thielen. He's been ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, especially you just take a look at the way he gets open. It's every single week you're expecting him to make some crazy catch. Um, his body control is unlike, I think, anything I've ever seen. I mean, he just gets open. That's just, you know, I, 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 I posed that question to Case Keenum afterwards, and he just kind of smiled and said, yeah, I mean, that's, that is exactly what he sees every single week. And I think he's been a really good uh, security blanket for Keenum, knowing that if he throws the ball, you know, in his direction, more times than not, he's going to come down with it. And I think Thielen has played probably the biggest role of, you know, we saw obviously Stephon Diggs' 51-yard reception yesterday open up the first score of the game. But Thielen's getting open uh, downfield. He's fourth, he leads, uh, he's fourth in the league in passes and receptions of over, you know, that balls that travel 20 yards downfield or more. I think Diggs is five. So those two are the, you know, the only duo in the NFL in that category in the top ten. So just shows you how well they've been playing you know obviously it's a reflection of their skill set but really of what Pat Shermer's been able to draw up for this offense to get them involved as deep threats how much credit do you think that we should give him to for for what Shermer has done because 
it does strike me. It's such an easy default to, uh, to criticize the coordinators, and, and sometimes, Courtney, it's very justified. But when you look at what he's done with Bradford in Game 1, Keenum since then, the passing game, the run game, I don't, I don't think we can underestimate what his influence has meant uh, as far as a coordinator to this offense's success. No, I mean, that's the thing. You, you look at how well Keenum has played down the stretch, and, you know, especially in these last five wins, I think you've seen him kind of peak mobility with Case Keenum and an ability to do well under pressure. I mean, yesterday against the Blitz, he had, you know, two of, two of those touchdowns, the one to Thielen and the one to Diggs, came against, you know, added pressure. I think he was 12 of 18 uh, under those circumstances. And I think Pat has really drawn the game plan up to his strength. I mean, we saw it with Sam very briefly one, but I mean, even more so last year, once they made the switch, it was okay. Let's what works. How about a methodical dink and duck attack where, you know, that got him uh, the league's leading highest completion percentage and, you know, kind of, you know, wrote the story of what last season was, but it, you know, and, and as methodical and vanilla as it was, it worked. Um, he's done a really good job at finding the strength of what his quarterbacks, um, you know, what they are. And it, you know, it is kind of difficult when you think about it when there were those moments where earlier in the season you were preparing for two quarterbacks because you weren't sure if Sam was going to play or not and if it would be Keenum. And now he's obviously back in that same scenario with, um, you know, when, when the Vikings are going to green light Teddy. Courtney Cronin, Vikings uh, reporter and uh, and thought leader for ESPN.com, and we've been we've been talking so much about Teddy and the quarterbacks and, and Case Keenum. Here, here's my question to you. So I think long term, I'm 99 percent sure that Case Keenum long term is in the Brian Hoyer, Nick Foles, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brock Osweiler bin of really good two, three, four month stretch, but mostly just kind of a borderline starter long term. So. A, do you agree with that, or do you think he's gotten to a new level where he's actually like this top 10 quarterback that QBR says he is? And if he's just having a hot stretch, how does that factor in for what you would do the next two months? Yeah, I mean, it's you, it, it's tough when you do look at his QBR and, you know, he's among, you know, all season long, he's performed like a top 10 quarterback. So regardless of what this season yields, I think he's going to have himself a nice payday next year. Um, obviously he's not under contract with the Vikings if they want to keep him as their backup. Um, or, you know, there's going to be certain – he's going to have a lot more looks, I think, as a backup option because teams, you know, are striving and struggling for a reliable quarterback. Do I think he can continue this long term? I've said all along I don't think that that's – you know, that no one's expecting that. So when he starts throwing interceptions and looking like, the back, looking like a backup, that's, I don't know why people get surprised about that because this is it's what you expect. But, I mean, he's, bottom line, he's, he's shattered expectations this season. No one expected them to be 7-2 and two at you know, entering Week 11 with Case Keenum at the helm. I, I don't know if I buy that he would be a starter going forward. Uh, you know, if, if, he, if he's been able to shatter the notion of a backup and, I guess, you know, take the Jimmy Garoppolo path, um, if you want to call it that, or I know you, you mentioned with Brian Hoyer, but Brian's kind of been a perennial backup. I mean, he performed like one with the 49ers, got himself benched, and now he's going to go do it with New England. So they're in a good situation right now. Uh, that's the tough part where they're 7-2, and two and it's now they have to question, okay, are they going to make a switch? And, you know, 
Zimmer's crystal ball is going to continue to, uh, you know, to rise when he makes comments like, I have a plan in mind, but sometimes plans change. So I'm curious to see uh, when this week we find out who the starter is. How much, Courtney, are we, um, because the, these discussions that, that we have or fans have are very black and white. I mean, this guy should start and that's it. How much are we missing the, the potential big picture here, though, of the fact that, that this, this has a chance not to be polarizing in the sense that if this was Bridgewater against a veteran journeyman who was sort of a jerk, it might it might split the, the team. But as far as I can tell, both these guys are popular. Both these guys are are very agreeable to wh- where things might go. How much if is this a picture of, okay, you can make this change. And by the way, too, if it doesn't work, you can go back uh, back to case. I think we're, ha- we're ha- having this conversation as if we're not talking about people. But because we are, I do think it helps that we are talking about two guys who are both popular with their teammates. Yeah, and I mean, I think that um, as we talked about on the show the other day, you you really won't, wouldn't find a better situation than having someone like Case Keenum who has been has been benched before uh, this season in favor of Sam Bradford. You know, he was a starter there from week two through four, and then Bradford comes back, and then, then it didn't go so well. And he was, that was a tough situation to be pulled on the road before halftime was over. You know, they were on the verge of, you know, not, like losing that game at that point and be able to lead the team back to a win. I think that that's the person, his personality, and as boring as he is with what he says, and he says he's boring, um, you know, the approach of I'm going to take it a game at a time, I'm not trying to focus on, you know, winning the job for next week and the week thereafter, he's doing it right now. That approach, as is, is cliche as it is, it's worse. Um, and you heard Teddy yesterday after the game. I mean, of course, there's got to be that internal, uh, you know, internal fire of wanting to go back into a game, but he saw things were working. And in his mind, I mean, he was supposed to be there to be another set of eyes in the defense for Keenum. And, and he did that yesterday. I saw him, I saw him on the sideline. I asked him about it. He said, you know, you're, you're basically scouting the defense to see what Keenum's seeing, not only to benefit it for yourself should you be called upon to go into the game, but also so you can tell Keenum, you know, tell Keenum where, you know, what things he needs to fix um, on certain plays. And I think that that's, it's a really nice collective effort that the two of them have. I don't know that you would find that many other places. And, it, and that's the reason that regardless of when, if they make a switch, I don't think there's going to be all this strife tearing up the locker room. Um, because, uh, as you said, Judd, I mean, both guys are popular. Both guys have won this locker room over. Um, and, and remains to be seen, you know, that, you know, that I don't think that'll change going forward. If they keep getting this level of quarterback play, so not Tom Brady level, but very good quarterback play for the most part, can this team win the Super Bowl, Courtney? Jeez, whoa, he threw that on me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, there you go. Um, they're definitely, I mean, I was talking with Matthew Collar about this last week on the Purple Podcast, where are they, are they contenders, do you believe yet? And I think... Wins like yesterday, where 38 points, they scored 28 points at halftime. They hadn't done that since the Carolina game in 2014. And Keenum throwing four touchdowns and 300-plus yards, that hasn't happened in a game since Brett Favre did it, I think, in 2010. So they're playing like it right now. I think that the road gets tougher, though, when you take a look at the postseason. Right now this team's probably on pace for a first-round bye, which which is great. Can they get past the Eagles? I'm not so sure. I mean, that's obviously going to be their biggest threat. 
uh, you know, in the NFC right now. But I, I think you take a look at what they've done right now and you say, yes, this is definitely a postseason team. Um, you know, and, and they are showing that, yes, they are contenders for, you know, things deeper than, you know, first-round bye and, you know, potentially marching on towards the NFC Championship. But can they win the Super Bowl, Courtney? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, as I said, I think, I, I think the Eagles are the better team. I really do. And I think that that would be, you know, bottom line, that's going to be who stops their run in the 2017 season. Is there a greater than 0% chance they can win the Super Bowl, Courtney? <laughs> Geez, man, I'm not good at math, but uh, but maybe, maybe. Oh, there you go. There you go. We're just waiting to play the song. We just wanted to play the song. That's pretty much it. Uh, great stuff as always, and uh, we'll catch up soon, Courtney. Thank See you, Courtney. All right, appreciate it, guys. All right, Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. She's uh, she's been doing a great job her first season on the Vikings beat for uh, for the mothership. So. Always eventful. Oh, Never you're seven and two, and you have a quarterback controversy. Yes. So, speaking of that quarterback controversy, and we'll just keep the phone lines open the rest of the hour, too. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. I have a scenario that's not totally out of the realm that I think should be avoided, if possible. Because you don't have anyone under contract beyond this season. So, like, you got to kind of, this season's your priority. Go win as much as you can. But have an eye toward the future to some degree, right? All right. I want to paint a scenario that would be... Not the best when we come back. Mackie and Judd and uh, Luther Brookdale Toyota is, yeah, it's the holiday season here. In fact, you know, yesterday we may or may not have put some uh, Christmas stuff up in uh, in our in our place. Little, you know, a couple lights over here, just kind of scattering some things. So if you're thinking about gift ideas, if you really want to knock someone's socks off, Luther Brookdale Toyota has brand new 2018 Camrys and RAV4s and other brand new models coming in. The all new Exterior, internal upgrades, technology out of this world. If you haven't gotten into a brand new Camry or a RAV4, or you're looking for that home run gift idea, stop in, corner of 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard, and see my friends in that showroom area, Paula and Tony and Badu. They'll give you a test drive. They'll show you all the bells and whistles, and they'll help you whether it's a lease or you want to finance, whatever it may be. Get into the most durable vehicle at the best service department and dealership and and uh, lounge area, everything that goes into the best in the business. Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard, and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. We do love our grumps. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Keenum, pressure from Kerrigan, steps away, fires on the run, it is caught! Unbelievable! It's like glue on his hands from Keenum. You know, I've, I've got a plan. And uh, we'll just see how it goes. Sometimes plans change, but uh, we'll see how it goes. And uh, we'll sit down this week and we'll visit about it and kind of go from there. Zimmer's got a plan for the quarterbacks. At least unlike most seasons, the last 10 or the last 15 minus the Brett Favre season where you're choosing between multiple quarterbacks, but it's the lesser of the evils that you're choosing between. They might have kind of an unprecedented situation here where you've got a couple ideal choices that are one's hot. One might be your guy of the future. Yep. So, I, so yeah, paint this. So you're going to paint for me a scenario that I take it Viking fans are not going to love. Well, it's more that the front office isn't going to love. All right. This is more like if you're the front office, you don't want this to happen. Because remember, you don't have anyone under contract for next year. I'm, I'm just going to write Sam Bradford off at this point. Yeah, that's right. He's going to go somewhere else. Absolutely. And whatever. You know, good luck to him. When he's healthy, he's really good. When he has circumstances around him, he's really good. But mm-hmm. that's probably never going to be a sure thing. So between Keenum and Bridgewater, 
if Teddy's first appearance, let's say Case plays well enough, but there's still this is this is the scenario that would be less than ideal. Case plays well enough to where you don't bench him. You keep winning enough games, and even if you lose, like he's not too bad. But he still casts doubts in your mind about long term. Like, yeah, this is a it's good enough. We're riding it. The defense is winning. Not bad enough performances to bench him for Bridgewater. And you clinch the division and you lock up your seed after week 16. Week 17 hits, and there's no reason to if, if Case is your guy, okay, this is a great opportunity for Teddy to come in, start a game. A relatively meaningless game mm-hmm. against, I guess it would be the Bears, right? Bears, Week 17 yep. Bears. Yep. A winnable game against the Bears. New Year's Eve, yes. And he plays really, really well. Like the Matt Flynn game against Detroit. But you've already solidified that Case Keenum's going to be your starting quarterback going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But Bridgewater comes in and his one game is that Week 17 meaningless situation against the Bears. And he does what Matt Flynn did when they rested Rodgers in Week 17 like six years ago. Mm-hmm. And then you go back to Case, and he has a blow-up game in the playoffs where he throws, it's like the Brian Hoyer five-interception game. Mm -hmm. So the one look you got of Bridgewater was the same look everybody else got, and he's a free agent, enough to where someone's going to say, whoa, like the Dolphins, let's give that guy a bunch of, where you have to pay him a bunch of money to keep him, $12, $15, $18 million a year, and you've decided, body of work and playoff dud, that Case Keenum isn't your guy. That would be a really, really tough scenario that's not totally out of the realm. Star and I got talking about that, I think, off the air yesterday. Yeah. Like, well, what if he puts well, up a, fa- a Matt Flynn performance and gets paid, and, the fa- and either you have to pay him or somebody else does, but you're not sure. Well, the factor with that scenario, though, is he's also playing at that point against a Bears team that's completely cashed in its chips and is golfing. Well, of course. So, so, they of don't, course. so they don't care. That was Matt and Flynn so against you, the Lions. So you could have a, a big game. Exactly. Um, but if you think for one second, that every bit of what the Vikings are doing right now is going to, to revolve around 2017, I think that's incorrect. I think a lot of it does, and it has to. But there is definitely a thought process, and it has to be going on about next year. And where I go back to the fact that I'm fine with that is this. We are dealing with Case Keenum. If this was Brett Favre again, if Brett Favre was 40 and had come out of retirement like he basically did in 2009 to save the day, and you wrote him, you have to say, no matter what we have behind him, we have to ride him out because we're paying him a ton at that point, and you also brought him out of retirement specifically for the purpose of trying to get you to a Super Bowl. That was never the goal with Case. And so whether it be 5%, 10%, 15%, there is... In my mind, no question, part of this plan is we have to know going forward what we're going to have and and that there is a realistic chance that Bridgewater comes in and plays well and so you don't get burned and now you feel comfortable when you get to February of saying, all right, we feel that we've seen enough from him that we can realistically sign him to a three-year, multi-million-dollar contract without getting completely burned. Well, I think the pri- I think you're right that it's not 100% priority 2017, I think based on the, the expiring contracts and you know you got to find out something about Bridgewater you would think now if you let's say you don't play Bridgewater the rest of the year if Case Keenum is just the guy going forward and Bridgewater hits free agency without really having played an NFL game for two years then I think you have an advantage you can sign him to some incentive laden deal you're not gonna you're not gonna break the bank you're not gonna have to but you might have to pay him like five six seven million dollars a year just because that's the going rate for a a, a possible borderline starting quarterback. So 
with all of this, if you are in charge, if you're the combination of Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman, mm-hmm. what would be the scenario, not injury, because that's that's a whole other thing, that would get you to make the switch? I'm not saying what you think they will do. I'm saying if you were in charge, what would get you to make the switch from Case Keenum to Teddy Bridgewater? I think it has to be more than just one bad interception. Yeah. To me, I think it has to almost be like two bad games or like a really bad game where you lose and it's obvious, but probably back-to-back games where it's, okay, that was a really good two-month run, but just like Brian Hoyer, just like Ryan Fitzpatrick, just like Brock Osweiler, for a backup quarterback, the hot streak comes to an end and he comes back to who he was before. Like when that becomes obvious, maybe two games. Honestly, I think it's because I don't know that, that that you're going to get back to back really bad games or bad games. This offense has enough components and it's well structured enough now that I I don't know that you're going to get that. I think it is at, at Atlanta, for instance, a first half similar to Cleveland or Baltimore where he just doesn't play well. Because you got to keep in mind, you can always go back to him. I mean, that's the most important thing here. You aren't you aren't taking him out and saying we're done. You're taking him out and saying, "Okay, Teddy, show us what you've got." And if the relationship between those two is as good as it appears to be, and if the relationship between the entire team and the quarterbacks is as solid as we think it is, I think you have a a window if he has a bad half to play Teddy and see what Teddy can do. I think it's going to be. Much more subtle. I don't think you're going to get a Keenum just complete meltdown. But what we saw in the first half against the Ravens and Browns was enough for me, especially if I'm the Vikings, to say, all right, let's put Teddy in. And if he's awful or if he can't move or if he can't play, you go back to case. Is that so you're saying if it's like a if it's a meltdown y first half? Yeah, if it's a bad first half. And you got to win a game or something, you go to. And I'm wondering if that's even a little bit jumping the gun to not even give him a chance to dig out of a first half after what he's done for two months. That's why I'd almost want to see a really bad game or like a game and a half and then, and then do it. I just don't know that you're going to get that much. I think Teddy, this is all, this is hard because I think Teddy Bridgewater is a better long-term quarterback. I do, but your priority should be 90% focused on 2017. Yes. And there's no guarantee that he's going to come in after not having seen a full-speed NFL defense for two years yes. and be what he would be if he had 10, 10 games under his belt to kind of get used to that. So that's that's the conundrum okay, here. Okay, but my, but my point is, in my mind, if I'm the Vikings, I could almost guarantee myself that the two picks that we saw on Sunday, at least one, if not both of those, is going to happen in an absolutely key moment of a key game where you don't have a big lead. That's that's how I feel about it. And so the Bridgewater, I'm not saying that this is simple, but I am saying that I don't think you're dealing with a quarterback here who I am who I am really afraid that if I take him out is going to be devastated and that's it. Agree with that. Yeah. I and I think what you're dealing with is I, I can say with some certainty in my mind that if you ride him out, he is going to take you in, into the playoffs. You're going to make the playoffs. You might, even as Courtney said, get a first-round bye. But then you're going to be in a really tight game, and he's going to drop back, and there's going to be pressure there, and he is going to panic, and from his back foot, heave a pass up, and it's going to get picked off, and now it's too late. Well, one, two, two things that are amazing about Case Keenum's performance. Number one, he's only been sacked five times in the eight games he's played the in. The offensive line's been fantastic. But the offensive line is good, but, but credit to Case Keenum, He's one of the best quarterbacks, I think, in the league right now at sensing where pressure's coming from, if there is pressure, and getting to a different spot in the pocket behind the line of scrimmage and then uncorking a pass. He's really good at that. 
that sense of, okay, I got a guy coming over here. I'm going to step up, move to the left, and then strafe over here, keep it alive with my legs, and throw the ball down the field. Almost everything Case Keenum brings, confidence, that that Brett Favre kind of, you know, that whatever you want to call it, that gritty, swagger-type person, you know, football personality, yeah. uh, moving out of the way of pressure, checks at the line of scrimmage. All of that is top-notch. And then sometimes when he throws the ball, it's yeah. like, oh, my God. Well, <laughs> so, and, and but then sometimes in, when he throws the ball, it's a touchdown. And keep, in mind, and keep in mind, too, that there's a very good chance the Rams game is going to tell us a ton. So if you go through, you went through Baltimore, you went through Cleveland, Washington's offense is good, their defense is questionable, the Rams game should tell you a lot. If he comes out, if they play really well against the Rams and the offense op- operates efficiently, it's going to be very hard to make that move. But the Rams are a really good team, and if he comes out and struggles and throws a couple picks, there is a very good chance that this question is going to clear itself up on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got to go back to this. It's been a couple hours. We've expanded our vent line brand. It's very exciting. It's not, it's not just Vikings vent line and Packer vent line. We have expanded the brand after this past weekend. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. Are you ready to kick it up? On 1500 ESPN. Right now on the 1500 ESPN stream player, a $25 Fandango gift card. Thanks to Luther Brookdale Toyota. Shop where Mackie shops. Head to 1500ESPN.com. Click on that stream player and find out how you can win. Thank you, David Harrigan. Uh, tweet here. This is a really good point. A tweet here from John. Your sights are way too low on the money Bridgewater could make this offseason. Mike Glennon was never as good as Teddy, hadn't played in two years, and got $16 million. Uh, baseline for Teddy is probably Mike Glennon, Brock Osweiler money. That's not a stretch. Brock Osweiler played like seven games and got paid crazy money. Yep. So if Bridgewater plays, if he shows he's healthy for like a week 17 throwaway game against the Bears, we might be talking about a $15 million a year or more situation for him with a bunch of incentives, I'm sure, because of the injury. If he doesn't, if if they don't play him the rest of the year, somebody will pay him. He he and Keenum are going to get paid somewhere. And the thing about Keenum is it, it becomes very dicey because Case is the poster child for the Cleveland Browns. Well, hey, he played pretty well for the Vikings last year. Let's sign him to a big contract and see what... Oh, he's Case Keenum. Mm-hmm. So Case Keenum and Bridgewater are going to, to get paid. The question becomes, if you're the Vikings, you're not going to pay Keenum a ton. There's just It's not a, a good signing. So are you going to pay Bridgewater? And the only way that you feel really comfortable doing that, I think, is to have seen something. I mean, could you, could you allocate, like, uh, average annual value, $20 million to your quarterback position next year and bring them both back, maybe... You know, maybe Case makes like five or six million dollars, which, you know, I don't know, maybe another team wants to give him 15 million after what they saw this year. I was going to say, there's a chance that, that when Keenum gets a contract, you're going to be blown away by the terms. Or not blown away, since we should, as John says, Mike Glennon made 16 million. So why yeah. should we shouldn't be blown? Shame no, on us right. if we're blown away. John's right. But uh, yeah, that's a great point about Glennon and Osweiler. So that's, that's kind of the, the price tag we're looking at. All right. We put our heads together and said, Vikings vet line, a wild success for 1500 ESPN. Let's expand it. So we brought in Packer vet line to our radio show the last two or three years. We play clips when the Packers lose. It's super fun. And we said to ourselves, well, the pack, the Packers won yesterday, so we can't do Packer vet line. What if we expanded to something else though? Mm-hmm. What if we took another devastated fan base and tap dance on their graves? Husker Ventline. 
Hey, Connie, how are you doing today? I'm fine, but I think we need to get Diaco down on the field, who has a little energy in him, instead of just walking back and forth like Riley does, uh, who and would get in there with those kids and cheer them on. You think that'd help uh, help the the team yeah, out to have those I coaches think, down there? I think it would help to have Diaco down there because Diaco has a lot of life in him, and he he has a lot of fire. And I think we need somebody that's got some fire in him. Diaco, so good. That's <laughs> uh, the, the defensive coordinator, by the way. People are criticizing oh, us for gotta, not knowing that earlier. He's got to be downstairs. Sorry, we don't follow Nebraska football closely uh, since 1995. Let's get the last time they were nationally relevant. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, my understanding, and I was pretty close to the situation, if Perlman would have not called our course and said, you stay there. Because we're going to hire a coach out there. Riley would have never been here. But Perlman had too dang much power at that time. And and now, thank goodness, he's not here anymore. Fire everybody with the football program. I can never really remember uh, such a kind of non-existent effort on the road. I mean, I can't ever remember Nebraska being this lethargic and... Overall, just kind of lifeless in a game where I felt like they had a real chance to win. I mean, Minnesota was not a good team. Nebraska got shut down, uh, demolished. I mean, in every in every facet. Why you gotta put us down? Why put us down? I mean, yeah, what? We're, we're just rolling the boat over here, okay? We scored Try fifty-four points on Saturday. Come on! Listen, we're, we're just insult us. We're just leisurely rowing our boat over here, and you guys roll in your little big red. Can't throw a pass. No passion. Defensive coordinator stuck up in the booth because he doesn't want to come down well, and fire Diaco. up the troops. That's typical Diaco. Classic Diaco. I mean, classic just Diaco. Just come downstairs, Diaco. The guy doesn't want to come down and fire no, up the troops. No, he doesn't have the classic guts to stand Diaco. on the sidelines. That's Diaco. It's the way he's always operated. I've known him for a long time. Hey, Connie, how are you doing today? I'm fine, but I think we need to get Diaco down on the field who has a little energy in him instead of just walking back and forth like Riley does. Uh, who and would get in there with those kids and cheer them on. You think that'd help uh, help the team, the team yeah, out to have those I coaches think, down there? I think it would help to have Diaco down there because Diaco has a lot of life in him and he he has a lot of fire. And I think we need somebody that's got some fire in them. Does Connie realize PJ Fleck? Does Connie realize that Diaco's Defense gave up 514 yards, including 409 on the ground. Perhaps to the Gophers. Perhaps the Gophers. Perhaps they should have taken Diaco to the top of the press box and pushed him off. <laughs> that might have been a better idea. Now that, now that's a take. That's a Nebraska football take. Oh man. Uh, yeah, that is the first time since 2005 that they have rushed the Gophers for 400 plus yards. In a game. Demery Croft, I believe, set the Gophers all-time record for quarterback rush yards. Correct. With like a buck 80 on 10 or 11 carries? Uh, 183, three touchdowns, 10 carries. He averaged, 10 eight, carries? He averaged 18.3 yards a carry, and Rodney Smith had 134 yards rushing and I think 279 total yards. Take that, Diaco. Diaco. Did you guys see the 73-yarder that Croft uh, had? Yeah, I did. Did you... Were they? Were, was Nebraska playing nine man? They may have. Don't insult I nine mean, man. Honestly, I'm just saying. Was it nine against eleven? He ev- evaded one defender, 
And there was no one within 30 it's yards true. by the time he got past the line of scrimmage. It was unbelievable. It was like three refs and a safety. <laughs> there wasn't a safety. Where the safety man at? Yeah, I don't know. It I, was the most amazing thing I've ever seen on a football field. How can there be that much space with nobody there? It's Demi Croft. Don't question him. He's a magician. This was the this was the game we were looking for. Okay, you think Case Keenum's good? Demry Croft's hey, the answer. You guys laughed. Write that down. Prediction when I said the Gophers are going to win two of their last three games. Now they just need that trap game against Wisconsin. Wisconsin beats Michigan, mm-hmm. and then they start to look ahead to the Big Ten championship game. Little road trap game. I will final week of the regular season. Big I, Ten. I will give you one hundred dollars if Wisconsin loses that game to the Gophers. Okay. I will give you one hundred dollars. That sounds like a great deal. I will give you one hundred dollars if that trap game actually happens. Me, that, me too. I no. made the same prediction. No, 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 no. Just Phil. Sorry. You know what, Dave? I'll split it with you. 80-20. Look at this. I'll take that. <laughs> I will take You're that. Such a giving guy. Diaco. Give me Diaco. <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's get hey, speaking of energy, <laughs> let's get the superstar Mike Morris in here to fire up these troops. Talk about uh, this 38-30 to win over the Washington Redskins. Vikings in first place in the division. It will get Star's thoughts on things. And we can open up the vent lines if you guys have more thoughts on when or if you would go to Bridgewater. Do you think it's insane that we're even talking about going away from Case Keenum at some point this season? Mackie and Judd.